So I have, I have, I, I wouldn't say deep, but I have been getting my my feet wet in the YouTube world of ambient videos that are multi-hour. Have Have y'all seen these? Like the Norwegian train ride one, or, or is it the now, music? that sounds like a good one. Is it music no, ones no. or which ones? Well, it'll be it'll be these ones. One that I like to listen to a lot. I don't know how I found this, but apparently there is a subgenre. Of, of ambient sound that is Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes's study. And it's basically like the way these videos all work is it's a video. So there's a video picture of like only subtly moving, uh, like computer animated things, kind of like, you know, in those in those kind of the last time I played video games, like, you know, early 2000 Sierra games where there would just be scenes and noise sitting there and you could kind of just have your your character stand there. <laughs> and so so you go into the, the Sherlock Holmes one and there's kind of like, you know, there's like a Victorian study that looks like the messy Sherlock Holmes thing with a fireplace. And maybe the fire is moving around a little crackling. And, and then and then there's another I think maybe in that one, if you watch it long enough, there's like a person that keeps walking up and down the sidewalk, like, you know, doing something. And then anyways, the the soundtrack is basically like, you know. It took me a while to figure out, but like there's there's always either crackling fire or rain. Oh, so you got yeah. that going on. Yep, now, that's good. Now, there is a dockside one that doesn't have rain or crackling fire, but it's, you know, like ding, ding. Probably like where you grew up, Brandon. Sounds like that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and seagulls. Yeah. And, and ah! then. <laughs> and, and then there's always sort of like barely intelligible people in the background. So like in the Sherlock Holmes one, you can hear people outside walking around. And then all of a sudden, you know, in like minute 33 and then, you know, minute 66 and then minute whatever, uh, you know, you can hear someone saying like, oh, hi, Jerry. Oh, it's right over that way. There's sort of like, you know, some little guy <laughs> hustling, you know, newspapers or whatever on the street. But yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of them. There's like, you know, a medieval tavern. You got like wooded forest. Uh, there's lots of libraries where right, like you hear... so I get the like running water. I get, you know, kind of that like ambient noise, but like, yeah. do you really enjoy like the Sherlock Holmes? Like, do you want people yeah. in the background? Like just like, it's, it's great. It's like, there's also like coffee shops, right? Like, really? you know, where oh, you so hear, that's like, like ambient noise. Like you're working with people yeah, yeah, that yeah, I can, yeah. okay. You, have, you, you hear like dishes moving around. Now the coffee shops one's always raining in the coffee shops. Oh. Now I found one today that had, uh, it had smooth jazz. Also Ooh. in the coffee shop, which was which is really like that was pretty good. So, so, so they're layering they're layering the voice mum, murmur over the smooth mm-hmm. jazz soundtrack with raindrops and clinking of stuff, and you know, mm. it's it's pretty good. Now there's another there's there's another one, a whole other genre you can get into that is um, the ambient noise of various Star Trek things. So you can get <laughs> you can get the Deep Space Nine promenade. You can even this one's only like twenty minutes. You can even get like Cork's Bar and Deep Space Nine, and you can hear the um, I forget what it's called, but you know you can hear the little machines going, and probably in the background they're talking about Dabo Girls and you know, Yamek sauce and stuff like that. But like, uh, wow. or you can get the operations thing. Like I bet you can get the uh, the Star Trek Next Generation bridge, just like just like just like over and over again. I like it. And, uh, I don't know. They're good. They're good. You know what you what you want to do if you if I'll have to find some links to put in the uh, the show notes <clears throat> at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash two forty eight. But what you can do is you you get yourself a, a YouTube downloader like Downey or whatever you like, 
and uh, you download the movies, and then you use another thing, transmute or some other converter, and convert it to an MP3, and then you're off to the races. Because ah, right? really, that. yeah, because yeah. really, you don't need to watch. You know, you don't want to. You don't need to watch eight hours of Sherlock Holmes's study, and so on. Be like, oh, that's three seventy-five, governor. Right, like out, out in the. Uh, the <laughs> and then every every hour and a half, they're like, like and subscribe. <laughs> that's, that's right. So, but quick aside here, kind of off topic, what what it is? But I feel like this is a, a good hack that I want to see if people can improve upon. So, uh, schools here in the U.S. we're getting close to schools, and there's like various present webinars, you know, presentations going around about like what's going to happen. So, this is what I did. Someone sent the recording out because I didn't intend it live, but I exported the recording. And then I, uh, in quick time, exported the audio, and then I made it into like basically a small little podcast format, Mm, right? mm. And then I used Overcast because I like that. And then I basically put it out there, and then I just double speeded the whole thing. So like, so what? Like 120 minutes, I'm out in 38 minutes. I know exactly what I need to know about the school. And so I was thinking to myself, this is how. Honestly, this is how I want every presentation delivered. But I was thinking for school presentations, especially because there's. A lot of material for schools. It's like this is how I want it done. So I was, and then I sent it over to some other parents. I was like, hey, if you you know if you're into like double speeding, just just so you know what's going on, you can try it. But I was like, oh no, I really want like a file upload that instantly makes me like a tiny little RSS feed just for like, you know, basically what I'm going to call school podcast. A lot of work. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I thought the solution that I was like the uh, the overcast solution seems to be the best. But I was like. You know, I bet you someone's figured this out. I bet you someone's even got a better solution. So if someone's yeah, done all VLC. the work, then yeah. uh, please let me know. VLC yeah. will do it. Like uh, if you're using the the video land audio uh, video player, you can mm-hmm. just say watch it double speed. Um, or no, you know, no. see that I, I got to have it so I can walk around. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can also save a stream, and I bet it's in there because yeah. you QuickTime will let you strip the audio out of videos. Yeah, you know, so you can just say yeah. save as. Yeah, you do that save yeah. as, and then yeah. you can just put yeah, yeah. it in your favorite uh, audio producer. So I yeah, guess maybe yeah, that'd be you quick. Can, you can early, upload it to Overcast. Early tip of the week. That's right. Use QuickTime to down, first download your, your children's webinars. Uh, Use QuickTime to get the audio. Quickly produce it in any format you want. Use it Hindenburg or something else, and then throw it in Overcast. Walk around your house, do the dishes, and you can listen to your kid's uh, school and, and be up to date. Uh, that, that sounds, sounds great. Work. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know. Uh, these schools, they need to cool it the fuck down with all the information, and just like you know, just just teach the kids. I don't, I don't need like a status report every week. Like you know, I got my own shit to take care of. Don't add more email to my inbox. It's just, it's just absurd. All the stuff that they have. <sighs> Maybe what we should do, Brandon, is I have it. I know it's hard to get a copy of the Minto memo uh, writing guide, but mm-hmm. maybe you should just send that to them and uh, tell them, please follow this. I'm, I'm a very busy person. Well, uh, speaking of, of, of overloaded information, you're telling me this Google next conference is eight weeks long. Yeah. Oh. So this is the deal. So Google next, this is what they're doing. They're basically doing an eight week conference started last week and then it's broken down by different subject areas. So, I think it's like it's like week by week in sports. You like you kind of have to look 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 at the opponent to see if you're interested. You know, you're like, oh, that's, that's going to be an easy game. I don't really need. It. So like this week, while we talk a lot about collaboration, not really something I have to like. Like I don't really need to know the roadmap of uh, Google's uh, upcoming Office tools or whatever it is. But like last week was the Thomas Curry, and he kicked it off with industry highlights. Next week, week three, I'm looking forward to infrastructure week. That's a big week for me. I'm interested. Mm. 
Week mm. four, security, probably going to attend some. I don't know. Data analytics, week five, not really sure. Database management, mm-hmm. database is six, potentially in there. Oof. Seven, though, Super Bowl week. That's app, application modernization. I'm all in on Whoa. that. I'll be there. Multiple there, sessions, dude. paying attention, taking notes, being ready. Week eight, cloud AI, I don't know, maybe. In week nine, I may just be tired. I don't know. Business application platform. So, <laughs> well, that's the thing. This, this schedule is exhausting. Next year, it becomes 16. The year after that, it's 32. It's, it's Google oh half year. Oh, my gosh. It's going yes. to be crazy. Well, I will say this. So if you watch, because I, I pride myself on always watching these keynotes. And so I watched uh, Tom's Curion. So he came out and couple things here one uh, he did the whole thing live as far as i can tell because like the apple keynote which i thought was extremely well done was all taped right he came out and basically by himself read off a teleprompter and from what i can tell he had the the little clicker thing in his thing so they when they actually clicked over it looked like he was running the slides and then they were doing some videos in between so he went a full 60 minutes as far as i can tell pretty much i mean maybe had someone behind in by himself in a room essentially reading off a teleprompter. And so I thought it was very good, but I thought I also thought to myself, there was no reason he should have tried to do it this way. I was like, this is so hard. He could have just, you know, taped yeah. it, right? Um, but he did a good job. I think he, I mean, I don't know. I just think like when you're by yourself and you're basically reading, as, as people probably heard on this here, like even an ad read, even something simple, it can be hard for a long period of time. So he did it, but I thought that was my critique was just, like, I don't know, like you, you did it and it was really hard, but you, you could have made it easier. You could have just taped it. And like, we would not, I would not have felt bad about that at all. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I, I don't really have an analysis of why I feel this way, but I, I'm just not digging these online conferences. I just don't, I don't, uh, I don't see what the deal is. I'm, I'm very confused that like, it seems like maybe. I, I know we talked about this several episodes ago, but but it just seems like you know you should just like publish stuff in YouTube more frequently, mm-hmm. and 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 you know make playlists. But I guess I don't know. Maybe it's too early. Like if if someone were to say, well, it's more effective uh, to have the uh, the the online conferences. Like there's there's something about it. Then sure. Like I, I guess well, I, I would separate buy the two. Like, I really have become. I liked the taped one hour like essentially the uh the keynote by the ceo because that's sort of like hey here are the major announcements this sort of sets the agenda gives you a flavor of what's going on i actually think that is great because it's sort of like here's what's going on that's fair and i think that part is really good i think the rest of the stuff um i think it does just come down to like you can just and i think maybe google next is edging up there it's like you can just make good videos and release them all the time, like throughout the year, right? And or just yeah, release yeah. all the videos, and that's kind of what they've done, right? They essentially release stuff week by week, so it's almost like a Netflix style kind of thing. Uh, so, because the other thing that you know, before Thomas Curry on now, Sindar, uh, right? He's the am I saying that? Hopefully, I said that right. The Google CEO, he did a very nice short, like a maybe five minute tape thing that they had clearly done in nature and they had a very a, a professional editor and it was it was nice i mean they basically did like different shots like a tight shot a wide shot and he kind of hit on just a couple of the big big things and then he turned it over to thomas Curion, and you could tell it goes live at that point and you're like wow and then i was like wow how long can Curion go and it's like he went a solid hour a little almost of course 
you know, the legend, Jassy, right? Jassy could go for seven hours, never go to the bathroom, and just, you know, never stop talking. So Curion was not that level. He wasn't Jassy level, but he was very solid in his presentation. But again, I kind of come back to you didn't need to do it that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, going back to your school thing, right? Like, I feel like that is, like, there's two things, two ways I think I would like to consume online conferences. One is what you're saying is like, you know, I want I want to know, like, I sort of want to run it on double speed. I don't know if that's literally the case, but it's sort of like there needs to be a more efficient way of consuming that stuff, right? Like, I, you know, I do a lot of conference stuff on all sides of the whatnot, and uh, I watch a lot of conference things and, and everything. And, and, you know, the second thing is I almost maybe like like if you miss out on a conference in person, right, there's basically the thing you're missing out is sort of like the 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 like bookmarking it as a special event that's happening. And I don't know, it's like it's like the difference between like going to a physical school and doing whatever kind of bullshit lie remote learning is right. right? Like it's just like and so maybe something that would be interesting is kind of like, you know, in your world, sort of like an ESPN of like conferences where there's this whole other layer of people who are like, here's the highlights. Here's our analysis of what's going on here. Cause like, you know, when you go to a conference and you see a big keynote, you're like, I'm pretty sure 30 to 90% of this is just utter bullshit. And so like what I would really like, like I want those commentators, like, I don't know what ESPN show it is, but there's the guy who's always got some wacky shit written on a whiteboard behind him, and they're like moving around. Like, it would be nice if there was some third party that was kind of like commentating and remixing on this. And you could just get like your your 30 minute summary of of like what's going on. And and, you know, you would you would think like the analyst people would be the ones who could kind of fill in this role. And like to some extent, the cube people are kind of like trying that. But then they're also like kind of not right like they're they're paid to go to the conference and doing stuff and the new stack kind of sort of does that but you really need like like if there's going to be three days of a conference online here's this whole other layer of people who are like uh pardon using the word but remixing and commentating on it and showing us the highlight reel right and that that would be interesting to like consume well they do the one part I, I agree stuff. they haven't gotten to the point where they've got like kind of a third party right because i think that kind of comes later but most of them will do the self-promoted right like a quick roll up of like day one both google and apple will kind of like they'll like a, do like a three minute like recap of the day at the mm. end of the day though right and so you yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. look at that and that's just kind of like a note for you to to look at the different sessions. But I was thinking about when I was watching it, I wanted to run this by you, Cote. It would be like, all right, so I really like the the video style of these conferences, especially when you're not yeah. there because you can get it. So I was thinking maybe one day, hopefully one day, we all can go to conferences again, but would potentially like a film festival model kind of work? The Ooh, idea is like, I like that. you're going to go like to a screening. So you're going to go see a video that's going to be released at the same time on, say, like Google Anthos, right? And it's going to be 45 uh-huh. minutes, uh-huh. pre-produced. Here's the latest and greatest on Anthos. Now, if you're not at the show, if you're just like a, a film festival, if you're not at the film festival, you just watch the thing, you learn it, and that's it. But if you took the time to go there, then afterwards, it's almost like the director, but in this case, maybe it's the product manager, your senior architects, your salespeople, they kind of get up and say, hey, you just saw all the great news about Anthos, and then you, you're there to like answer questions, you know, be interactive, maybe do deals, but it's sort of like, 
Like, cause that's yeah, the part yeah, you really yeah. care about. And it's like, why not let everyone get their best presentation completely produced and be ready to see in a video so you can use it all year. And then later on, when you're at the conference, do the things that are, you know, have the conversations that are helpful there rather than make the person get up, do yeah, the PowerPoint yeah. in a big auditorium, record that, which is like never that great on video. And then afterwards, so I was, I was thinking like, maybe that's what it should be. It should be like a film festival. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go see the screening of the new release of uh, Tanzu or Anthos or whatever. And then afterwards, I'm going to go meet the, the major players and I can talk to them if I care about that. So that's that was my idea. I was like, yeah. like, bring it together. Yeah. Like, don't give up on the video, you know, included in the in the actual uh, conference going forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see that. I could see that. Well, well, ha, ha, has has anything? Uh, did did you attend any of the the Google Next things? Well, the ones are. So let's we'll go over the, the big on. announcements. Were first confidential computing. So the big pitch was, okay, everything today can be encrypted at rest. We know that, encrypted over the network. We know that. So the place that is still open to attack is like while you're processing your data, doing doing your computing. That is an area. That is, I guess, potentially where you could um, have some type of security compromise. So that was the first thing they announced, confidential computing. And I got to be honest, I did watch the whole thing. I am not going to tell you I explain how exactly all this happens. But essentially, while the data is being processed, and they kind of go through the different hardware platforms they've been working with, that essentially it will remain encrypted as you're actually processing it through the processor and in memory so that... If you will, it's always encrypted. And somehow the processor, you know, much like the Google hardware that basically it creates a key that's only in the hardware. So there's no way to get that key. So when you're processing the data, you kind of like you have the key, you're unencrypting it, you're doing your processing. And so you're, you can think of it as encryption all the time. Now, I have to be honest, like, I think it's very cool. It sounded very cool. And it also sounded very hard. So like one major props to anyone that figured this whole thing out. Now, I don't know. I mean, while it is a vector of potentially being compromised by security, it, it feels like, wow, it would be hard. This would be pretty tough. I guess there were stuff like Spectre and the other you know, types of hardware compromises. But I don't while, – while I think it was interesting, I was like, I don't know – how many people like had this on their <laughs> list of things they had to have like tomorrow? Well, well, probably, you know, probably for the the cloud operators when you're running at that scale with so many, where you're literally hosting so many bad actors, you know, I mean, you're giving them access to your systems. You have to come up with these si- si- sorts of uh, protection schemes. I mean, you know, they've already got people, you know, breaking out of VMs, which is why they run containers inside of VMs. So you have to, you know, break out out of, to compute layers of, of protection. So this is just yet another layering approach to, yeah, we can run your untrusted workloads in our cloud and you don't have to worry about people breaking out of three layers now. Yeah. Well, that was definitely <laughs> the pitch. And, you know, the pitch was to, you know, this is the hallmark of enterprise customers, you know, your financial industries, your healthcare providers, your government agencies. Um, so it definitely seemed, you know, hundred percent, Hey, we're enterprise ready, you know, and we've got this extra layer of security and they kind of went through why it was so good. So, so again, like, to- I mean, props, like I was like, this is pretty cool. I mean, I just, I just hadn't, hadn't heard, like, I haven't heard customers verbalize that, but maybe it's not something they were even thinking about too. Right. It's like, um, right. but I was, you know, to me, I was like, great. That sounds like, you know, sounds like a cool, well, you know, there's, there's some you know research lab where they're like, what kind of crazy thing could we come up with? 
and then they probably come up with a proof of concept and then they're like, well, we can sell the solution to the proof of concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, looking at the article we have linked, boy, they got some AMD processor that yeah, basically exactly. like mm -hmm. it creates the key and sticks the key only in the VM. So only the VM knows how to decrypt exactly. things, I guess. Exactly. And yeah, that's fine. That's that sounds good. You know, and then second, like, as always with security, right? Like I was uh, I did a, a presentation to the Austin Cloud Group and, um, you know, about the last 10 years of cloud. So I was thinking to that, you know, like security and compliance come up. Someone even asked about that. And like. I don't know. It's sort of like with security. Like you ask people, is it secure? Like, I think I should just start saying no and see how they respond. Like that, that would be fun to be like, is, they'll never you, leave their data centers. Yeah. It's just like, is this a serious question? Like, yeah, no, it's not secure. Are you interested in buying it? Like, it's just, um, I don't know, but that, yeah, that's great. You want to have security, uh, you know, you know, at rest versus in motion or whatever. And then processing. Yeah. Right. So they have it's all sort of like, now. Yeah, it's sort of like you remember back in the 2000s when people would debate the three types of hypervisors or something. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah, that was fun. That was a good time. I don't even – was that para-virtualization and virtual of virtualization? I don't even <laughs> you remember. Got it. Yeah. Well, they did. The other thing Google had – I mean, you know, I, was, I like to call these like the customer hype videos, right? Everyone has them like during your conference. When they take the break, they show like the hype video of like how everyone's doing well. So the three for uh, Google Cloud were uh, Goldman Sachs, of course, financial, right? Financial institutions. Yep, so yep. that's always a great hype video because that would tie back to security. Humana in the U.S., that's one of the big uh, medical insurance providers. So, of course, privacy, right? So it gives you like your security, your privacy, and then Spotify. And then that gives you like your, <laughs> your high, high scale, um, you know, like uh, whatever, net Net native you, you uh, consumer yeah, application. Yeah. So some new, some new I mean, customers there. I mean, no one wants to know the state of your mental health or that you listen to Hollow Notes two times mm -hmm. every day. Right? Listen, like, I, these are things you got to. As I said every year now on the AWS one, and I appreciate it here too. These th this wasn't as long, so I didn't need it as much. But the customer hype video, perfect bio break at home. You're like, oh, yeah, because when he throws it to them and you like see all the fast moving graphics and people are always in like the most perfect offices and everything looks great. You're like, this is a good time to get something to eat, hit the bathroom, be back, ready yeah. to hear about the next topic. Lots, lots of lots of glass hallways. And, and you ever notice people like never look into the camera? Like if I'm ever in charge of a customer video, I'm going to be like fucking look into the camera, like just like <laughs> freak them out. Don't do You're this like, look into the side thing. Just be like direct. Be like look into the camera soul. <laughs> that's right. This cloud encrypting my data in use is amazing. You need to use it and just go all crazy eyes. Don't uh I like it. All I, right. I like well the it. second thing that they I thought that's we needed to talk about here, big one was they announced big query omni. So again, making the whole announcement uh summarize it very simple. This is what it allows you to do. Essentially process data but leave it at other clouds. So if your data is in AWS mm. or Azure, you basically leave it there in BigQuery, Omni, will let you basically do the, pro the processing without having to move it. And the big pitch here was, and I think we've heard about this in the Slack channel a little bit, that the dirty little secret of why cl cloud can cost so much is network bandwidth, right? And this seemed to be explicitly aimed at that. They even collected it as like, you don't have to move the data, you don't have to uh, be penalized for all the ingress charges, and all that kind of stuff. And so you can leave it there, bang, BigQuery Omni, just pull your data, process it where it is, get the results, 
and everything is great. So and I was like, that one oh, seemed cool. kind of part of their whole like multi-cloud kind of pitch they, they're making with Anthos. So I was like, that one I think, seems pretty interesting. And I have heard people complain about bandwidth, but is that, I don't know, Kote, do you ever hear about that? Is it actually like something, a cost people ever bring up? <laughs> no, not people <laughs> I talk with. Like, I, you know, as, as, as we were going through this, like I, I, I well, which is like, I know it's a concern, just like, you know, the conversations I have, they don't get down to that nitty gritty. I mean, there's, there's only there's only two types of conversations I ever have, and the first one rarely happens anymore. Where they're basically like, I, I know I've recounted this before. Like you go into a meeting and they're like, I have a spreadsheet and I need to know the price per unit of these things. And then of course the salespeople I'm with are like, whoa, 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 let's talk about business value, right? Instead of like just pegging a, a thing. Or it's on the complete opposite side where people are just like, I don't know, man, we do a bunch of shit in IT and like we need to do better and like like you know we would just like to be able to do curbside pickup right like whether that means we pay for network con connectivity or whatever i don't care or you talk to the government people and they're like you know we would like to ship every three years instead of every 12. you got anything for me right like it's so okay. so like i i think but that said, I know that network charges are a uh, are a huge deal uh, for sure. Like, I mean, all that stuff. Well, I thought this up. was a little bit of an answer to the AWS uh, snow snowmobile and what is the other thing? Snow, uh, what is that thing called? Snowball, right? Where you know, basically, you put it on a you know a disk and you ship it. Now I know it's different; it's not in the cloud. But I think this was sort of like a different take on that. It was like, okay, well, if you can't move all that data, just leave yeah. it where it is, and we'll just we'll just do our thing there. So I was like, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So and again, yeah, they, yeah, mm -hmm. you, you know, I, I think, you know, also uh, drawing on the the thinking I was doing for that that talk I did earlier this week, I was I was kind of crystallizing in my head that um, you know we make fun of this stuff, but it's all great and part of progress to a better world uh, that we're operating in. It's good, good work, everyone, fantastic. Uh, but it it did make me realize, like I was remembering back in 2010, like a huge debate was always like, like I found the old, uh, the infamous 2010 magic quadrant, which I'm sure we all remember as being <laughs> ridiculous, right? Like it was full of all these like managed service providers and Amazon was like in the lower right category, the most frustrating category. I don't know, maybe the, maybe the upper left, I forget which category that is, but like, and you know, of course everyone was like, you know, for the infrastructure as a service thing for Amazon not to be in the lead is weird, but I, you know, I was reflecting and thinking the reason that was is because everyone was back then the buyers and the vendors and the analysts were obsessed with this enterprise grade notion, right? Like you needed, you know, as we joke, you have to integrate with Active Directory, but you need this enterprise gradeness to it. And then I was realizing like over the past like three or, you know, three or so years, like I don't think the enterprise wants enterprise grade anymore. That's not good enough. Like they, they want don't. cloud grade, right? Like yeah. they, they want to run like Google. And it really is like, it's this interesting flip-flop that, not flip-flop, but transition that happened in the past 10 years where enterprises realize that like, oh, right, I actually don't run things as well as people do in the cloud, right? Like I can't encrypt this stuff. I can't do this uh, this data analysis or whatever. So like, I don't really want enterprise grade because that's not good enough. I need this cloud stuff, which is, which is why like, you know, all these tiny little things that the public cloud people do to basically just be like, yes, we're secure. Yes, we're compliant. Yes, we do that. On and on and on. What's the next question? And, um, you know, versus like back when I was, uh, I probably complained about this on whatever podcast I was at the time. But, you know, back when I was at Dell, there was this big debate about using like SaaS and cloud and 
how it wasn't enterprise grade enough. And I was like, I don't know. I can't check my email once a week. So what the fuck are we doing here? Right? Like, it's just. Well, I, I mean, the, the, they've almost chosen, like, the wrong, you know, corner of the, the iron triangle of, of software. You know, you can have it fast, you can have it cheap, or you can have it, you know, hyper secure. And, and enterprise is just over, over, you know, compensated on the secure part where it's like, we're so secure, we can't get anything done. Which yeah, is also, yeah, yeah. you know, we're not cheap either. And, you know, so we're, we're way off in this, this tangent. And, and instead, you know, they're like, sure would be nice to be fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, you know, you know so, so speaking of the old days of cloud, it seems like our friends not too far south of you, Brandon, the wonderful Rackspace people, they've, uh, they've taken their time to uh, get fit in the private equity land. I think uh, I looked this up earlier. I think it was, I don't know, maybe six, five years, I think, that they were private. No, that's when they IPO'd. It wasn't that long. I'm totally wrong on that. But they're, uh, I don't know, they filed the IPO again. Are y'all are y'all uh, excited about this? You, you Are they going to have things? the same problems again? Well, I think, you know, I, <laughs> I in, in, my, in my admittedly shallow reading of this, because, you know, I got, I got five kids to feed, got to take care of them, got to do my work. Like, it seems like they have basically moved... Uh, back to the the the, you know the 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 multi cloud version of a managed service provider, which right, they had right, started right. to move to when when they were going private, which is, you know, what Rackspace had always done is like we'll basically manage your infrastructure for you, and we have some some uh, you know we've got our own uh, sauce on top of that and everything, but uh, you know that I. I think Probably no. I would actually say they, they've kind of emerged and, and they've done all the right things. Like now they're focused on on managed services for all the major clouds. So their pitches, yeah, and then multi cloud solutions. I think the fact that they, I think we talked about this when they went private. They, you know, the thing they always had was that kind of that fanatical support kind of uh, mm -hmm. culture, and I think that fits in really well. Like I think now the, those fanatical support people that helped you with all your rack space servers, now they're helping you with AWS, Google. You know, uh, Azure. And the other thing is, you know, this is sort of uh, a little bit of Cote's world, but I think this, you know, and this kind of touches back on one of the other Google announcements was, you know, Anthos is really pitching multi-cloud, like, so essentially set it up so you can run your workloads in not only GCP, but AWS. Of course, Redshift, um, Red <laughs> OpenShift has had uh, a story there in the hybrid cloud. And then, you know, I've been talking to your friends, Kote, you know, Tanzu, of course, right? It's got its uh, multi-cloud. So I think if you're a customer today, and you need help kind of like managing and you believe that you want to manage across multi-clouds and use any of those platforms, like I think Rackspace has sort of reconfigured yeah, itself yeah, yeah. to, to oh, say, yeah, yeah. I can do I'm, that. Exactly. Seems I'm good. I'm not skeptical on their, on the business model. I like, I, there's definitely a market for managed service providers and, you know, customers all need a lot of help. I just wonder like if, if they're setting themselves up by being a public company, they're back in the pressure of you have to grow. And it seems like my, you know, from hanging around enterprises and their, their various consulting, you know, large consulting firms they bring in, they, they can't get enough high grade people like any of them, you know, whether it's, you know, IBM, Accenture, whoever it may be. And so, you know, they, they come in, they sell, they sell some services, they bring in the, the, the good folks, and then they backfill with the less good folks, and they churn heavily on the less good folks. And that model, I feel like it has an upper limit to how big you can grow. 
Yeah. And, and, and when you get closer to that limit of how big you can grow, you, your stock starts to be suffer because they're like, huh, how come you can't grow this thing at 25% a year? And you're like, because we just can't. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> and know, you, know, like, you know, I think what the world needs is a, a non-high growth oriented stock exchange. That's now, that, now, now hear me out, that. hear me yes. out, hear me <laughs> out. Now here in the Netherlands, the interest rate on your checking and savings account is effectively negative because you have to pay a, uh, a fee each month to have your account and they don't really pay any interest right now back in the states i think i think the best you can get is like between 1.8 and 2% depending on like where you surf your money around so i feel like what we need to do is we need to get a cadre of companies that have 2 to 8% growth annually and they can just fucking relax and then that that is the place where we we make sure that our checking account doesn't get like 0.8% interest right yeah. and like it's totally cool if you want to get like, you know, 10 to 100% returns on your shareholder value, you can go to the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange or what the fuck ever. But like, I just would like my checking account to have a better interest rate. <laughs> and I know there's lots of companies out there that would like to be public, but don't want the pressure of like always having to grow at a phenomenal well, rate. And I think yeah. this might be what America is looking for. This could well, really, hey, uh, did you just like, reinvent the bond corporate bond market? Is that what you just is did it, there? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't understand what a bond is. That's okay. that seems <laughs> well, complicated. Eric, Eric, uh, the Eric Reese guy is trying. I don't know how far yeah, along long term stock gotten, exchange. The, yeah. the long term stock LTSA, exchange. Baby. So that, that's what I'm saying. I, I, well, I you know because because I think in the tech world the the. One of the primary reasons you need to go public is to like cash out all these people who have options, right? Like, like that is a huge, gigantic thing in the tech world that like that that valve has that valve that valve has to be there, right? And you know, after a while, if if you just keep taking on funding and you never like are able to cash out, never mind like cashing out like the top cadre of people, that's that's nice for them. Uh, but like the whole, the, the rest of the people eventually need to like get some cash or like the whole, the whole thing just kind of crumbles into a, you know, a sad mass. And so you need some way like, and maybe this is why the bond thing doesn't quite fit because like a bond doesn't mean that like I can sell my options and make some money, right? Like there needs to be some kind of like cash out thing or, or something. I don't know. I'm just saying yeah. like, like it's annoying that all these companies have to like have so much growth that it kills them. That's uh, what I'm saying. I, Rack, nice Rackspace is a lovely company full of great folks. And I would hate to see them have to jiggle their stock price every 90 days, you know, to keep the, the robber barons at bay. And too much. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, like uh, looking at this long-term stock exchange, it hasn't launched. Right. And so like you can't see any companies who are, are on it or, you know, anybody who's signed up. So, yeah, uh, I just I, I worry about companies having to, uh, you know, jiggle the numbers. Because, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, you know, we've we've been at those companies that, you know, they, they make their quarter by through real estate instead of selling software. And that's just that's not tenable. Yeah, you know, this is reminding me that maybe the 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 flaw I made in my career. You know, I, I knew these people in high school, and their parents like worked for uh, for like the IRS, you know, big big IRS service center in Austin, and yeah. uh, or the city. And their parents would retire when they were like forty five and just like <laughs> sit around and read books. And, Those are my and like, 
Yeah, and then and then you know we have we also amongst the three you know us we have some like military parents and stuff like that and, and relatives and and they sort of just like they don't make a ton of money like on salary, but then all of a sudden they don't have to work for like thirty to forty years of their life, and uh, maybe maybe that's you're, bring back the pension is what you're saying. Yeah, I, I want I want the corporate bond market apparently, and just like pensions, just just like pensions. I think I think maybe something went wrong somewhere. Somehow somehow <laughs> we got really uh, wrong. Yeah. somehow this four hundred one k like got pitched to us as being better, but I don't now you know what now that we're like kind of like well halfway into our careers like maybe not maybe maybe we should have gone the yeah. other way. So uh, yeah, good old four hundred one k. You know if 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 I there's one piece of advice I try to give the young people, and that is. Just start maxing out your 401k when you have the chance because uh, no one else is going to max it out for you. This it's is mixed. true. This, is, <laughs> this, this we know. We can confirm. Yeah. You, you, that's a great American value that we're spreading to the globe is you have the utter freedom to totally fuck up your future. <laughs> what is we, that? We are it not just, uh, you're on your own? That. Like, make good decisions. Yeah. You're on your own. Yeah. Congratulations. That's right. Just, just uh, tend to yourself, cowboy. Enjoy the open range of uh, working for the rest of your life. In the corporate bond market. Well, you know, I think I think there's a few more things uh, that, that that we didn't have time to go over. Now, if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com/slash/two-forty-eight, there's some some good links to uh, kind of look up on. There's been some funding. Speaking of people who haven't cashed out yet, uh, that uh, that's been going on there. And we skipped over talking about you know Slack uh, filing a, a lawsuit in the EU to stop apparently the onslaught of Microsoft Teams. Maybe we'll pick up that discussion later. There's a there's a small discussion, mostly driven by my inane confusion and uh, other people in Slack. Not driven by, but that's the part that I care about, the part where I am involved. Uh, and so that will be interesting to see what goes on there. I, I've had the chance to use Teams a few times, and I think maybe if I use it five to six more times, I'll finally like understand how it thinks, uh, and it might be okay. But it's... um. It's not normal. I'll I'll just put it that way. And I I I almost feel like I don't. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, we'll see what happens with teams. Very odd. Well, anyways, uh, is there any feedback from listeners or other bureaucratic stuff we need to go over, uh, Brandon, before we get to recommendations? Yeah, two things quickly. One, uh, make sure to listen to my uh, my interview with uh, Richard Sorter, uh, Cote's uh, old compadre. Um, Back in, back in the day, which was just a few months ago. So if you didn't listen to it, just scroll back in the feed, listen to it. It's a fun one. We talked a little bit. About I, I mean, I mean, after eight weeks of Google Cloud Next, it feels like a long time ago, probably. <laughs> it does. It does. But we talked a little bit. We talked a little bit more about Google, and he had a lot of fun yeah. stuff to say. And then uh, also, I want to just give a quick shout out for uh, Mark in the Netherlands. He sent me stickers from Abstraction Games, so I sent him some stickers uh-huh. a while back, and he's at uh, Abstraction Games, and he sent me. Uh, all kinds of fun ones. I'll put them up on the uh, Software Defined Talk Instagram. They have like uh, they have fun little sayings. I like them. I won't read them here. You can see them uh, on the show. But uh, if you want to send me stickers, hey, you can always do that. But I can send you stickers, and this is how you get them. Just send me your postal address uh, at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I'll be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Well, so there, there's a few conferences I want to call out. One, our conference. Uh, in VMware Tanzu land, spring one, uh, which is September 2nd and 3rd online. And uh, don't hold me to this, but I'm pretty sure it's free. Uh, we, we've announced most all of, like I, I've helped out with the agile leadership track. A lot of good stuff in there. I have a panel. 
Like I, I've tried to make sure that we have a lot of interesting. Uh, there is a uh, no glass wall staring at the wrong off camera guarantee from the sessions that I have curated. There'll be like actual customers talking about actual interesting stuff, not just uh, looking away from the camera. I'll try to get them to look directly in the camera as much as possible. But uh, you should check that out if you go to springone.io. And also, uh, Git, Git, uh, GitLab has a commit coming up on August 26th. That'll probably be fun. I think, uh, that, you know, it's it, we'll see how their pillars are doing. But I think they're a good. <laughs> they got a lot of interesting more. They've got a lot of interesting stuff going on portfolio-wise that fits right in the middle of everything. And then, of course, a place I will no longer be able to take a 15-minute bike ride to, uh, KubeCon and CloudNativeCon coming up on August 17th to 20th, <laughs> which also should be uh, very enjoyable. Now, with that, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this week? Uh, so this week, uh, I you know um, probably recommend a better ISP, but uh, I don't have that. Um, I would recommend there's a, a show on Netflix called Oh wait it wasn't Netflix uh, I think it was on Hulu <laughs> uh, called Palm Springs um, it's uh, Andy Samberg uh, and his Lonely Island folks have a vaguely sci-fi uh, romantic comedy um, based off you know pretty much pretty much Groundhog Day um, but uh, it's it's uh, a little darker at times. And so uh, I, I enjoyed it. I was surprised I knew nothing about it going in and uh, I'm not going to ruin it for you. So, so go, uh, go watch it. It was, it was actually much better than I expected. That's good. You know, Kim and I sat down a while ago to find some TV show to watch and we just couldn't find anything. We ended up watching Carnival Row, which was fine to give one of my <laughs> we're, more stellar we're re reviews. Rewatching 30 Rock, so... Yeah, yeah. You know, I just, I just, when I'm looking for TV like that to watch, I just, I can't, I, for some reason, I'm just not into the comedy stuff. It just doesn't, I, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. I should ask about that. Anyways, how about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend? Well, I too, I'm, I'm not, I can never really get into the comedies, but I always end up in these uh, kind of murder mystery kind of things. So on Netflix, I watched, uh, I think it's a eight, no, it's a 10 part uh, series called Reckoning, a little murder mystery, you know, basically trying to figure out what, um, what happened? It was, you know, not great, but a solid. And also, like during during the pandemic, I need stuff that takes up time, and also stuff that I, when I watch it, it gets off. It forces me to put my phone down. So that met both these requirements. There's a lot of it. It was just interesting enough to like me not to keep my phone on while I was watching it, and uh, you know, it helped kill some time uh, during uh, the long hot summer <laughs> here in Austin, Texas. So check out yeah. Reckoning Netflix. It is hot out there. I don't know. Uh... Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do about that when I move back. It's not going to be cool. <laughs> don't. <laughs> yeah, still, yeah. Well, I can confirm, still very hot in summer. So that's Texas. a uh, yeah. That's that's a bit of a problem. The moving back. Uh, anyways, uh, so I I have I have three recommendations. There's this there's this thing I don't know how to describe what? it called Set App that you pay like a hundred dollars a year or something, and it gives you access to all these little Mac app Mac OS applications including like, you know, big things like Ulysses and stuff like that. But it's kind of like this this little uh, weird app store thing of things you can install. And uh, you can binge you can binge use Mac utilities. I don't know oh, if I that makes that. sense. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's like I think it's worth it. It's fun. It, like there's a good screen capturing thing in there. You got all your like CPU and the menu bar monitoring stuff. But it's it's worth trialing and looking at. And like, for example, Matt Ray, I don't know if you still use this, but BusyCal is in there. 
right? Nah, so there's, I never used it. There, I thought you were the one who recommended that to me, but whatever. But uh, yeah, it's got a bunch of stuff like that that's fun. So that's nice. And then and then the other thing, I got one of these, uh, I don't know what they call it nowadays, but you know, the Apple Magic trackpad thing. Yep. And it's it's pretty good. I still haven't figured out how I can select multiple things and drag it without holding the shift key. So I'm a little disturbed by that. Uh, but I think it's worth having. Because, then I got have you given up the mouse in favor of the, the trackpad oh. 100% or do you got both? Well, no, no, I haven't used a mouse in a long time. Okay. I mean, for years, I was very insistent on doing the dual screen laptop thing because I, and I still want this, like I wanted that all-in-one keyboard trackpad thing, right? Like my hands have morphed their way to like, you, you know, I'm doing this thing that you can't see where I'm putting my hands over the keyboard and my thumbs are moving around on a trackpad. But that's like, you, you, you I really your, want that. Uh, your, your ThinkPad nubbin? No, no, I don't want the nubbin because I use my, like if you imagine my fingers on a keyboard, right? Mm -hmm. And then yep. I use my thumbs to move the trackpad around. Oh, yeah. Listeners at home, Kote's doing it all on video right now. It's very entertaining. Yes. He's doing yes, it. He, yes. he was, he's perked up. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, gives, it gives me gives me the willies. He's wiggling his thumbs. It's good. Yeah, it's yeah. It's fantastic. And, th and then finally, my third recommendation, there's this app that I've been using called Vino, I think. And you can take a picture of a wine bottle and it uses, I, I assume machine learning okay. and it'll tell you like what this wine is, what the rating is, even what it costs in your local area. And I discovered recently, uh, I got a, a bottle of champagne, uh, you know, sent to me nicely recently and I liked it. So I took a picture of it and, and you can order, I don't know what you can do in Texas or various States, but here in the Netherlands, you can just like order right from the wine app. And like, it got delivered the next day. It was amazing. Nice. Whoa. And, and so, like, that was, I just felt like I was in the fucking future there, right? Where I, like, just, you know, scan a bottle of champagne that Kim and I had just emptied, and the next day I have more. Like, I don't, I mean, that's, like, some first-class Snowpiercer-level stuff right there. Uh, I should probably be careful of. Um, so, you know, also, I, I want to, you know, we'll try to, uh, if you haven't looked in the Slack channel, one of our Australian correspondents uh, went and did uh, some, some, uh, some reconnoitering in the Costco uh, that was there, where it looks like you can buy Australian-made sheds. So it's good that Costco is helping out with the economy uh, over there. And there's, hopefully we put it in the, the show notes here, but there's a great article for the Costco fans, which we haven't talked about a lot in a while. But there's a good breakdown of why uh, the Kirkland brand is actually profitable for the brands that not only compete with it in Costco, but actually manufacture the, the the Kirkland brands for Costco. It's it's a brilliant piece of strategy uh, if you're into strategy nerd stuff uh, that you should check out. Well, with that, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 241. You can figure out how to get stickers, join the Slack channel, check out what a so-called Australian-made shed looks like. I hear it's built to last, which uh, I think is good for that climate. Uh, <laughs> probably works out well it's it's called an endura shed hmm. it'll stand out here i feel i feel like my dog is an endura shedder that's <laughs> something that we need to take care of uh but uh yeah you should check that out bye 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 bye, -bye.